Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hi! How are you? Do you watch the Real Housewives of like in in the states? Yes. Oh, a hundred percent. Have you met Vicky? I was just with her all weekend. I was in the Hamptons. Jill Zarin Jill. had an event, and Vicky and Leanne and I hung out all weekend. And I had never met her before. And please, I tell loved me. her. I loved her. She's so much softer than what. I expected. She's like very soft. And I almost felt like protective of her. Like I wanted, which you wouldn't normally think about Vicky, but I dig her because um, what I really like about her is I think she's really emotionally intelligent and I like emotionally intelligent women. I connect with them. She's smart, man. She's a smart cookie. She really is. I mean, was she, I mean, how was she? Because obviously, you know, we're watching ultimate girls trip and it's like, we're watching her as like the whole thing just unraveled in her relationship. Right. right. So, so she's, um, you know, and, and not to gossip because I don't want to tell Vicky's story. I want yeah. her to tell her own story, but she did say that was pretty rough to yeah. go through. Um, but I do get the sense she's in a very good place now. She is like super strong. I can't tell you how much, I mean, I only knew her from television and I know the other housewives and I know, I remember I heard one of them once say, you know, people say about your character and it's not our character, but to a degree it is because you're in a different situation. You're in a manufactured situation. Right. So it's not, I mean, for example, Melissa, if you're brushing your teeth in your house versus if you're brushing your teeth and you know you're on national television, you're going to do it differently, right? right? It's I'm not going to be the same. It. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So meeting her, I, I just, I was super impressed, super smart. I felt really bad for what she had been through. And she shared that she's a very open person. She's very trusting. Her new man is absolutely amazing. He got along with my husband, like a house on fire. He is the nicest person in the world. It was, I had the best time. Leanne, I knew from before, because when I was on Housewives here in Toronto and I was the villain, I had two people that I called because I knew people from people, well, three actually. So one was Leanne and uh, someone gave me her phone number and they said, call her, she'll help you out. The Dallas I called villain. Her the Dallas villain. Because I really, for all intents and purposes, was the Toronto villain. I was, you know, Carilla DeVille of Toronto. So they said, call Leanne. So I called Leanne and she was amazing. She was the Southern Belle. Oh, honey, it's going to be fine. You just ride this wave. You're okay. Sort of, you know, very sweet and charming and Southern. Then I called Jill Zarin, who was like, what is your problem? <laughs> Snap out of it. She was so New York. You want to be on television, you're on television. What's your problem? And then I called my really good friend, um, Kathy Hilton. And she said, listen, listen, I'm going to give you some advice. This is what you say. I'm nice, but don't mess with me. 
And I went, I love that. And that became my mantra for the rest of the show. And I made it through. You are okay. So when AG, when, when Caitlin was like, do you want to have this woman on? And I had never seen, and I'm a psycho about housewives and Bravo and every show. I never seen it. And I'm like, but duh, I love it all. So here's something funny. Bethany Frankel worked at La Scala. I worked at the Bistro Garden, which is now Spago, but at the time it was the lunch, it was the ladies who lunch restaurant. I was a private party planner there and Kyle ate at both our restaurants. So I actually lived with Kyle, Rich, Kyle Umansky for many years when Farrah was a baby. And, um, you're so joking. That, oh no. You are no. throwing a lot at me right now. I know. Oh, I'm sorry. God. I've known her forever. I have pictures downstairs. No. Um, but yes, and then that's how I, then I met Kathy because Kathy was a great client of the restaurant. She would have these fantastic lunches or be a guest at the lunches. Kathy was a kick back then. I mean, she would pull up in her car and curb the wheels and come in and I'm, hi, everybody, I'm here. When Kathy got there, the party started. And I can remember I would tell people, Kathy Hilton is the freaking funniest woman alive. And they were like, really? I, I don't see her that way because you know a lot of people saw her as being so proper and whatnot. But anyway, I was working at this restaurant and we had... Um, parties for whoever was on the cover of Vanity Fair. So we had when Ivana Trump was on the cover. I don't know if you remember, it was really, really long ago in the 90s. She wore this yellow dress. Oh so we did gosh. this spectacular. Like, it was iconic, iconic, right? That, yeah. Yes. So we did a party to celebrate that. Everything had to be yellow. It was fantastic. And the Condé Nast people were there. And I said, oh, I've always wanted to write for a magazine. And so they said, well, send us some samples of your writing. This was a, basically, she was the office manager of the West Coast offices of Condé Nast. So I had, had never you written, written for, anything before. No. So okay. I get on the phone to my mom because this was in the olden days. And I go, mom, I need something from university. So she said, don't worry. We have all your essays here. So I ended, I ended up sending in, Hamlet's fatal flaw of procrastination, my essay. <laughs> and they called me right away and they went, you're funny. You're such a kook. And I was like, am I okay? You're and like, I'm glad this works for you because it didn't work in college. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't get such a good mark. Um, no, but yeah, so they came in, they said, look, we have this new magazine. It's just starting out. It's called Allure magazine. And at oh. the time it was the plus size Allure. I still have some copies here in my office. We don't know what's going to happen with it. But there's a spot here, assistant West Coast editor. So I was like, sure. And that was such a watershed moment in my life. It changed everything. Linda Wells, she had just come from, she worked at a paper in New York as a journalist. So she had a journalistic background and she was the first person in women's fashion beauty magazines to take a journalistic approach. So before that, Re realistically, it was like a regurgitation of press releases. You know, um, a trichologist who is a specialist in hair would say, you need to use this conditioner because X, Y, Z. Well, Linda went, well, my readers don't know what that is. So she said, we're going to take a journalistic approach. We're going to talk to you. We want to know why we want that in our shampoo. Why? So I, I can remember people were like, it's not the consumer's reports of magazines. And she said, no, I know it's not, but I honor my readers. So ever since then, it's funny, at this weekend, um, this Hamptons event I was at, at Jill Zarin's luxury lunch, she had all these displays of beauty products and whatnot. So I walked up to one and I said, okay, Grand, G-R-A-N-D-E, I think it's Grande Cosmetics, lash serum. I said, you know, I don't like false lashes during the day. I find it's a little bit much. Right. I really want to grow my lashes. I don't want to do lash extensions. Does your stuff really work? And, and the woman started, she said, yes, it does. And she just handed me the package. I said, no, no, no. I, could you please tell me why it why? works? And she said, you want to know the science? And I said, yes. So she started in with the science and she was like, wow, nobody's ever interested in this. But I'm telling you, you work at Allure, 
And it was the best training ground ever. So it really, it taught me how to write. It taught me how to take a journalistic approach to everything in life. It was just amazing. So then how long were you there? Um, I was there for about four years. And then I came home to Toronto and I met my husband. And (laughs) then I went, wait, what am I doing? Am I moving back or am I there? What am I doing? So So you were from Beverly Hills. No, I had just moved there. A lot of people in Canada after university go to Europe and backpack through Europe. And I said, no, I want to go to LA. And my parents were like, what? So they knew the owners of the Bistro Garden and they said, give her a job. So like at least at night, there's some place for her to report to. (laughs) So they said, well, what is she going to do at the restaurant? And I was the private party coordinator. So it was a fun job. I mean, so you go from writing, that is humongous. Like I do writing for, I'm also a certified nutritionist from Stanford. I saw, I love that. And I work with galvanized media, eat this, not that. And, you know, I work, I talk with like the editor and, she, and just the writing and what goes into that. Like, I just have such a whole new respect. I've always respected that game. Right. But like, right. it's insane. So I'm reading that you did this, Yes. but then you are freaking also reality TV producer. Right. That was after Housewives. I fell into Housewives by accident. I had this idea that I wanted to do a show about charities because I was involved in charities a lot. And I said, there's so much organic craziness that goes on at charitable events. I would really like to do that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So much in common. And it's funny because when I did my sizzle reel, I went to Dallas because Dallas is the, and Leanne really helped me um, casting my sizzle reel because Dallas is the fundraising capital of the world. So I said, like, I wanted my, my show is called Dallas Planners Club. And it's sort of like million dollar listing meets um, Bridezilla. And it's like all these Dallas planners and how they sort of interact in each other and they live in each other's space, just like million dollar listing. They try to eat each other's lunch, but they, you know, end up throwing these great events and everything that goes on with them. So I had wanted to do that before. And the producers of Housewives were working with me here in Toronto. I wasn't sure if I was going to partner with them or not. And they came to me and they said, look, we're doing a show and nobody ever starts out saying it's Housewives. When they first did Orange County, it was behind the gates, right? Like they never say it's Housewives. We're doing this reality show. The moms of Manhattan, wasn't it or something something like that? Manhattan Manhattan moms. moms. Yes. Jill told me. And and Dallas was even something different. I can't remember what that was, but they had a different name too. Like it was supposed to be the charity world. The charity ones, right. Yes. So ours didn't have another name officially, but they didn't say it was Housewives. They said, we're doing this reality show. First, would you help us cast it? Because I was pretty connected with a lot of people in Toronto. And I said, sure. And everybody I brought forward were like, no way. (laughs) They read the participant agreement and said, you'd have to be insane to sign this. You would have to be insane. So they came back to me and said, okay, um, would you like to be on it? And I was like, I don't know. And then they said, but it could be a sizzle reel for your reality show that you want to do. And I thought, you know what, why don't I, I'm a big one for experience over things. I am up for any adventure. So I sort of said, why not? You know what? It could be fun. It could lead to something else. Why not? I'll try it. Dun, 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 dun. (laughs) Okay. So, and these are Bravo here producers. No. So NBC Universal Bravo sold the rights to a Canadian production company. Got it. So you're working with that production company in Canada. In Canada. Yes. Okay. And so they And actually to to tell the truth, they needed to go to the Alex Baskin <laughs> Evolution Media School of how to produce because the problem with our show is there's an art to producing different reality genres like whatever it is. You're going to produce The Bachelorette 
a lot different than you're going to produce a Housewives franchise because right. Housewives doesn't make any money the first season. It's the second season. So you don't want to sell everyone down the river. The Bachelorette, well, one season, adios, unless you're one of the finalists that comes back as the Bachelorette right. or the Bachelor. So they really produced our show, you know, the network was amazing. The production company, I think, needed to find out how to successfully produce a Housewives show. But they were in a tough situation. They had trouble casting it. They ended up casting um, three girls that were friends. And if you cast three girls that are like really tight friends, nobody's going to, you know, the, the drama literally was all around me. And one of my castmates told me, Kara, you weren't there when we were filming and they were trying so hard to get drama. They sat us around a table and said, tell me one thing you love and one thing you hate about the person beside you. And they said, we were coming up with, well, I love your hair, but I hate that you're so well organized. And the producers oh were like, we need drama. So oh literally I felt like I was producing it. I would sit there at times and say, oh my gosh. One time we went on a boat cruise and I decided, I'm not going to talk because every time I opened my mouth, <laughs> something would happen. So I, I said, I'm going to do a test. I'm not going to talk. So I sat there and I wasn't talking. And literally I said, I am changing the channel on this show. It's so incredibly yeah. boring. So I went, here we go into the fray. Let, here's some drama. Yes. You want, like Diana said, you want the new villain? Here's your villain. Like I yes. know what's going to be ratings. I know what people like. Exactly. That's so funny about that line of Diana, though, because do you think that that was organic or do you think she had I when no. I heard that line, I think she had that in her holster and she was like at some because the, I don't think that Diana is a villain at all. She doesn't meet the requirements like reality television. You have requirements for what makes a villain. And as I said already, emotional intelligence, you have to be prepared to go into an experience and come out somehow different you can't remain unscathed by what happens that that is very low emotional intelligence and that does not make a good villain you have to have a very strong point of view I mean I think Sutton is an excellent villain and I met Sutton when she came to Toronto it was so funny I stuck my foot in my mouth because I said oh Sutton I was the villain too and her face dropped and she turned really pale and she said well I, I'm not the villain and I wanted to go honey let me tell you something. Who do you remember from Mean Girls? Regina George. Like, come on. Who's the most famous character from 101 Dalmatians? But she did. And I understand because it does come with a certain negativity, the villain. But also look at your Leanne. Look at your Jill. Look at Vicky. your Vicky. It's the villain is the place to be. So yeah, it's a, a high emotional intelligence. Um, you have to have a distinct point of view. You have to have a very strong personality. I, I like my villains to have a sense of humor. And I, and I think most of them do. But um, no, I, I don't think that Diana is the villain at all. And then the other, the other components that go into a good reality cast, you want your person that's sort of, um, I say, doing the producer's bidding as it was, which I consider, so if we're talking Beverly Hills Housewives, I consider Kyle and Lisa Rena fill that role and they do a lot of expository or they do a lot of, you know, people say to me all the time, is it scripted? No, it's not scripted, but Bye. understand it's framed. So the way it works is when you sign on, you are assigned um, a talent producer and your talent producer sits down with you and says, okay, what's going on if you're filming in the summer? Say, what's going on for you this summer? Well, I have this fundraiser. Um, I have this wedding. It's my husband's birthday. And you sort of talk about all the big events. All of these are sent to the story editor. So the story editor is really the master chess player. He's getting 
all the film in from what you've shot, but he is also, I I never met our story editor, but I imagine he has this giant board behind him with like all intersecting. <laughs> dee, 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 dee. So he is the one like this and then put these uh, together. completely. Yeah. So he says, okay, let's film her husband's birthday here and start there. So you film that. Then he's in touch with your story editor. Okay, we're going to need a lunch between these two. So is it scripted? No. Um, but if I have a big fight with someone, am I going to go to lunch with them two days later and Normally. sit down with them and say, let's hash it out. No, on the show, a hundred percent. We're going to need this. Right. Um, let's get the one that's there to do our bidding. We need her either to put this to bed. Like we're, we're tired of this storyline. So let's get her to wrap it up or we need to scratch this mm -hmm. itch a little bit more. So let's get her in there to scratch that. Or the viewer needs to understand why this is happening. So let's have her in there. So it, it's, it's an interesting dynamic all the different parts and mechanisms that go into it. So knowing what you like, okay, so you fell into the reality TV after Housewives. So I was going to say, you know, so my, like, I obviously I know all of Bravo. I know all these shows, right? I know the Housewives, I know this. My husband's also in the entertainment world. He sells TV shows and he runs the sports department at WME. So like, I, I know like those things too, like the behind the scenes. So for me, I didn't know which came first, you doing reality TV and then going on to Housewives or the Housewives, then reality TV. Cause I was like, if she's coming from reality TV and then goes on the Housewives, what in the world would make her right. knowing how, what happens? No, Housewives first, then reality television production, which I think was a great advantage because I am able to relate to the right. participants in a very different way. I know what they're going through. I can address their fears, you know, when they're saying, don't sell my business down the road. We're uh, an event planning, you know, we're dependent on this. And it's like, relax, I've got your back. I know I need you back next season. I can't have you upset with me that you don't want to do a second season. I'm going to look after you. It's going to get a little bit in the weeds here, but I promise you, you will be happy with the result. And everyone will want you to do their event because a lot of people want to be on TV. I mean, people are paying $50,000 to go on Below Deck insane yeah it's insane to go to be on a charter guest to be a guest discounted yeah. discounted right. from like eighty-seven thousand, but right. still can you imagine just to be a guest no Not even just like to be a guest the cast or the yeah. crew like a guest mm -hmm. insanity yeah so you go to toronto have no like i i don't i'm not i'm not trying to do tv you land into this yes and you are not the one with the three friends. Like, tell me about who the cast, like for people who haven't watched. Right. And you can watch on, I was asking someone, how do you watch? They said on Hey You or Amazon. Oh. There's, there's a lot of international franchise of Housewives people don't know about. There's Greece, there's Israel. They're, they're like all over the world. Jill Zarin, when she has this event, she started out having it as a Housewives reunion. And the first year I was there from Canada, there was a girl who was there from Melbourne. She had flown all the way from Melbourne. Oh, I know that one. It was quite amazing. Oh, yeah. wait a minute. Okay, so how long ago did you do Housewives? When it was 2017. Oh, so not that long ago. No, no, not at all. Okay, so you do it one season. Yes. And do you think this is because the cast wasn't right? Because the production company didn't do it right? Why do you think we only went one season? So the network was golden. The production company needed to go to the yeah. <laughs> Alex Baskin school of how to do housewives. Uh, and the casting was definitely off. It was really hard. Toronto is a very conservative city. It was really hard to cast a show like this. Um, everybody likes their skeletons in their closet. 
So you are not the group. You said there's three friends casted. Are you? There was no. Oh no. I had my interaction with the other castmates was limited to one of them that I actually got on the show that ended up being my arch rival on the show. Um, one of them was an acquaintance of mine, but I had never met nor even heard in my social circles of any of them. So you're going into against three friends. That's a good setup for you. Yes. I mean, <laughs> I know I came home the first night after filming and my husband was asleep and I was like, wake up, wake up. I think I'm in big trouble. <laughs> it was no. like, why? I mean, the first night somebody production said there wasn't a lot happening. So production had one of the participants break a glass. We're all standing there. I mean, exactly. I rolled my eyes too, going, guys, really? We need to like do better than this. But again, so she broke the glass, a piece of the glass flipped up and cut me on my leg. So once I was like, oh, cause you know, my leg was cut. It was bleeding, not a big deal. The way they edited and looped, my leg is bleeding. Then the production assistant was, excuse me, Kara, are you okay? What's wrong with your leg? And I was oh, like, no, it's fine. But looped again, the editing is real. One of my famous lines in Toronto Housewives is I sat down with another woman and I said, um, come after me and I'll stand my ground. Come after my kids and flames will shoot out my nostrils. That's a line I've said. I love to that. To many people, but I was edited because they didn't want this one scene to play out. So it goes like this. Come after me and flames will shoot out of my nostrils. But if you watch it, the edit is so bad. The inflection oh. in my voice, the way my hair is like, you know, if, if I was to edit you from before to now, it'd be like, that doesn't quite. And there was a lot of that. There was a lot of that. Um, so the first night it became, she's yeah. a nutcase about getting cut by this glass. And your leg means amputated. Yes, exactly. Yeah, of course. She's so overdramatic. Right, like, right. Oh, please. I said it like once, really, so, but it was looped when I was so you're talking against to these three chicks. Obviously, you're going to be the villain. Like, yes. I feel like it's like Leanne going against like Brandy and Stephanie. You know, yeah. like you're not going to win, right? So, you, oh, yeah. So you're instantly kind of casted this villain because. Yes you got a nick uh, from a, a, a stage broken glass. Okay. Yes. Let's just and, and the other, the other um, problem I had was I didn't know these people. So I was trying to relate to them again. Remember what I said about emotional intelligence, emotionally intelligent people try to relate. For example, you, I would relate to you. Oh, you like to work out. I love to work out too. That's cool. I'm not trying to say, Oh, I work out. I work out. It's how I relate to people by, right. you know, drawing what, what common ground do we have? So I was asking them questions. One was a yoga instructor. I was like, really interesting. So my husband and I used to do yoga on date nights. That's really cool. But the way it was edited, all of their interaction was cut out. So it was me, my husband and I like to do yoga on date nights. Right. Oh, I've been skiing here. Oh, I do this. Right. And people were like, she is, it was hard to watch You're for the me. one upper. It's all oh my you. gosh. Yeah. The, the overdramatic, they cut her leg, the one upper for me, when I watched that, I, I was like, wait, wait, wait. And the, I didn't realize the power of the edit until we were filming a scene and I was walking to a restaurant and I was wearing really high heels. And I was sort of tottering and I turned to a production assistant and I said, I have to walk really slowly because I don't want to fall over. And he said, oh, don't worry about it. We can speed up your walk in the edit. And I went the rest of the meal in that restaurant. I wasn't even present there. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, and I was thinking it. I never, because I said to myself going in, I know Kyle, I've been on the set of reality television. I can handle this. I never considered the power of the edit. Dun, dun. <laughs> So you're like going through this. Are you like, what in the hell did I sign myself up for? What am I doing? 
Yes. Essentially, that was your whole season. Why am I doing this? What am I doing? Yes. And a lot of people said to me, so why didn't you just go to set and read a book and check out and, you know, just show up and you didn't have to interact. And I went, okay, first of all, pros play injured guys. Come on. Right. 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 Like I signed up for it. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to cop out that way. But secondly, I went, okay, so if they want me to do this, I'll be the best villain. So there was a scene where we were supposed to go um, on a water banana up at my cottage. But the night before we'd had this terrible fight. So I'm sitting there producing again in my head going, okay, so I've had this horrible fight with these women. I would never invite them over to my cottage the next day. Oh, let's go on the water banana. What's my motivation? So a a big part of my problem was I kept producing in my head. So I went, I know my motivation is they're hungover. I want them to vomit and go on the water banana. So I went on TV and I said, so I invited them on the water banana so they'd throw up. And I had people going, oh, you're horrible. You're awful. And I was like, okay, I was just trying to be a good villain. What the Now I'm winning at the villain game. Exactly. So you start, how long did you, you only knew Kathy and Kyle And then when you start doing the show, you're like, oh shit, I'm the villain and I'm going to call these other housewives. And then that's when you picked up the phone and you call Leanne and that's when you called Jill. Yes. And that's how you met them. Yes. And they were all, it's a great sisterhood. They were so supportive. We met Caroline Brooks this weekend from um, Dubai. Mm -hmm. And it was so nice. Like Leanne was saying to her, she said, welcome to the sisterhood. And Caroline said, really, is it? And I said, let me tell you something. These women will burp you. They will change your diaper. They will look after you. They will give you whatever you want. Tough love, sweet love, whatever you want. It really, it's really nice that way. Really nice. Are you happy you did this, the housewives? hundred percent. It has opened so many doors and led to so many opportunities. Um, I do Peloton and I love on Peloton. They say we are trained to run away from discomfort, right? So when you're sitting on the Peloton and it's so hard, Emma Lovewell is going as humans, we're trained to run away from discomfort. Why? I mean, I guess that's how we're, we're programmed. That's part of our you know DNA, but learn to get close to the discomfort, learn from it and move through it. And that's what I embraced about this. I said, you know what? It's an experience. What am I going to learn from this? How am I going to come out on the other side? I want there to be an arc because I always say to my kids, in your life, there needs to be an arc, right? right. You, you want your story to have an arc. So what's my arc going to be from this? So then after it's not getting picked up again, you're watching it back, the shit editing, you're the villain. Are you like, but I want to do more Kathy, Kyle, were you ever like, maybe I could do Beverly Hills. Maybe I could do New York. Did you ever want to do another franchise in the States? No, I don't think so. I really enjoyed producing. That's a great question. Um, The show didn't come back for the second season because um, really and truly, I, I said like, maybe I would do a second season. But again, the network was golden. The producers were not cool. So I just said, I, if look, if truly original wants to come back and revamp housewives, if uh, evolution, evolution wants to come, if Bravo, my dream would be for Bravo NBC universal to buy back the rights to Toronto housewives. Let's give it a go again. And I do another season with Toronto. I don't think I would want to do another, uh, another franchise in another city because I don't think it would be organic. Cause I'm not, I've lived in Beverly Hills. Yes. And I know Beverly Hills, but I'm not from Beverly Hills. That would probably be the only one that I could ever do New York. I don't live there, Dallas. And I think that you do need that organic. It's interesting when I was um, pitching my show and going to different networks. Um, what's the show? Wicked Tuna. 
Wow. I was speaking to the people that did Wicked Tuna. And I said, you know, my kids love that show. They're, they love the fishing and whatnot. And they said, it's a funny show because we didn't know we were going to do Wicked Tuna. We went to Gloucester, Massachusetts and said, we want to do a show here. So location first, then yeah. let's find a niche of people, which is really, I feel how the best reality television works. I mean, that's how it worked with Orange County. That's how it worked with Atlanta. We're in Atlanta. We want to do a show here. Let's do Housewives. These people right. are interesting. Salt Lake City. I mean, who would have thought they would ever do a Housewives of Salt Lake City, but they found such a diverse group of women that they went, yeah, it works here. But you are organic because you know Kyle and Kathy so well. Yeah, but I don't want to go on TV and fight with them. I love them. Yeah. And Kim, I love Kim so much. I mean, so you're, I mean, look at this madness with Beverly Hills. It is non up you have and by the way Kathy is your good friend Lisa Rinna is the one starting these buyers about Kathy I keep thinking in my head okay it's the foursome right it's Rinna Kyle Doree Erica Doree the, or Fox, Rinna, the Fox five the fours Fox, or something yeah 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 right <laughs> whatever the freaking I mean hello these I know <laughs> what are you an Avenger yeah so, exactly. I mean but Rena and Kyle are good friends and Rena starts attacking Kyle's sister. And I'm just like, what's happening here? I don't get it. Like, how are you, you know, Kyle, you know, Kim, you know, Kathy, how are you in this situation? So what I, I don't know exactly what happened there. I was with Kathy just before she went to Aspen. I was with her actually in New York. Um, I can tell you this about Kathy Hilton. Number one, she is not an angry person. I mean, if Kathy ever has too much to drink, she starts singing. Kathy is, one of the things I love about her is she's an incredibly joyous person. She's not a violent person. She's not an angry person. And when things like that come up, in my opinion, you have to look to the history of the character of a person. Why would a person be acting so far out of character? No, it doesn't add up. Supposedly so, so far yeah. out of character. Yeah. It, it, that's not who Kathy Hilton is at all. So is Lisa Rena doing some bidding of the producers? Is Lisa Rena doing her own bidding? I mean, I've read things, you know, the problem I have with Lisa Rena is I find that she wants to be the villain. So remember what I said about what makes a good villain, but she tries too hard to stir up the drama. Right. That's what made a good villain like Sutton. I think Sutton is brilliant. She doesn't do it on purpose. It just happens. Yeah. It, it just, just falls happens. in her lap. Exactly. Like magic. Exactly. She's so good that way. I mean, how do you do that? How long have you known then Kathy and Kyle? Oh God, you know, Kyle before she married Mauricio. Yes. I knew her when she was just separated from Goresh and Farah was like 18 months. So yeah. I've known them for over, over 27 years. I worked at Kathy's store, the staircase. Kathy is, you know how, you know, how Chris Jenner, they say she's a momager. Kathy Hilton is a mompreneur. That woman could sell anything to anyone and, and I've seen her do it and I've seen her do it with me. She'll send me something by email and say, you should get this skirt. And I'm like, why would I get that skirt? And then I look and I go, actually, you know what? She's right. I do need that skirt. Are you kidding me? I would buy a bag of shit. <laughs> she had this great store up on um, Sunset Plaza called The Staircase. It was a Christmas store. It was so beautiful. All Christmas elements. And because you know how she loves Christmas. Right. And she was such a good salesperson, but not a ridiculous salesperson. I mean, you know, she would pull people back if they were overbuying or whatnot. She is really talented that way. She needs to get back into the entrepreneur business. She is super talented that way. So you met Kyle first, then Kathy and Kim. 
Yes. I met, well, I met actually Kyle and Kathy at the same time, but I didn't know I met Kyle in an acting class because I was, believe it or not, I was a child actress. And when I went there and I was working at the restaurant, I didn't know what I was doing in LA. So I was taking acting classes and Kyle and I met in an acting class, but then I also knew Kathy as a customer from the restaurant. So, and they're so embracing. Let me tell you something about these people. Kim would have me to her place in Malibu for the 4th of July, Kathy and Rick, always making sure I had a place to go for, I call it American Thanksgiving because our Thanksgiving falls a little earlier than, than yours. Right. We have ours in October. Always making sure I'd be, oh, well, it's, it's okay. It's not my Thanksgiving. No, you're coming to our house for Thanksgiving dinner. Just the most embracing, welcoming, nice people. Kim is a gem. I love her so much. I was actually supposed to be in Beverly Hills. Kathy had a little screening party for her debut on the season. And I saw that Kim was there and I was really upset going, I was supposed to be there, but I couldn't make it. And I love Kim. She is just phenomenal. Such a good person. They're good people. They really are. There's one thing I could communicate about that family. They are good people. It's just sad because you see, listen, if anyone is a sister, it's like people don't, like, I feel like people forget that this is still like, this is a sister. This is a mom. This is a wife. This is, you know, you take yourself and put it into like your own shoes. It's like, what if this is happening between all this beef with your sister or your husband or your kid? It's like, I, I feel like people forget that because they just, I think they do too. It's, it's a lot like that. I heard someone say it's a lot like in the olden days, soap operas, how people would, you know, they, they translate that soap opera idea onto this. So, you know, in the, in the olden days, people would hate soap opera villainesses and they'd write to them, well, it was just an actress playing a character. But like you said, now it is someone's real life. But again, that's what makes great reality television. I had, when I went to this um, reality television sort of course lecture, I had a woman tell me, why do we love the Kardashians? Because everybody fights with their sister. So it's relatable, right. but it's also aspirational, right? right. So there's, yeah. there has to be that secret sauce of the aspirational, meaning, you know, dreamer mode, beautiful, beautifully well lit. I always right. say target lighting as opposed to Walmart lighting. It's really well lit. It's aspirational, but it's so relatable because everybody fights with their sister. And I think that's what makes Beverly Hills so interesting this season is because it is relatable because everybody fights with their sister, but you know what? They're sisters and they get through it and they move on. And I mean, literally I have been around Kathy and Kyle so many times when they talk about how much they love each other and how much they love Kim. And, you know, at the end of the day, they have a really strong sisterhood bond, which is, is nice. It, is it tough for you because you're so close with all of them? So when the sisters do fight, are no. you like, oh man, Kyle, you're being a dick or Kathy, you're being a dick or this is, you know, is it hard for you in the middle? Like what side do I choose? No, I think I, I learned really well from Kim's really good. Kim has become really good at stepping back and just, you know, it's not my business. Not what, what is that expression? Not my monkey, not my circus or something like right. that. Like, totally. you know, it's just, it, I love you all. And I know you will work this out. And at the end of the day, 10 years from now, you will still be sisters. So I, I, I think it's healthier to step back. I mean, I don't think it's healthy to get in there and meddle. Let the sisters work it out. At least that's what I'd want if it was me and my sister or if it was me and my husband. Let them work it out organically because they will. They're super strong. I mean, that's why they're so great on reality television. They have that again, like I was saying before, they come from very strong points of view. They're strong personalities. They're all very funny, entertaining. You put those people in a room, there's going to be conflict. Yeah. Okay. So the crazy part is you see this, okay? Like I had talked to Kristen Takeman, who was a few seasons on New York. Yes. Good friends with Brandy, who was on Beverly Hills. I'm like, you witnessed 
the whole shit show that your best friend went through on Beverly Hills. And then you're like, oh, this looks like fun. Let me sign up for this. <laughs> so you're seeing, and by the way, those three sisters have been through a lot. I mean, look at back at season one, the limo with Kyle and Kim. I mean, they have like some of the most iconic scenes ever. Exactly. You know, forget individually what each was going through with Kim and her sobriety and Kyle and this and this. But like, you're watching this from the get-go and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I could, I'll sh- sure, I should do this here. A hundred percent. So sorry, Melissa, uh, let's call it 40% ego thinking, but I've seen how they do it. I can do I, this. I'll control what I say. Absolutely. And um, a, a good mix of that. Well, I'll try anything once. Why not? It could be fun, right? I'll, I'll stay out of the fray. I think that's what everybody says when they sign that participant agreement. My husband was like, okay, honey, I support you. Fingers crossed. He was actually like, fine, we'll do it. Hey, no, he, so what happened was the participant agreement has different levels, right? So I call, I call it the, um, the pig and the chicken in the bacon and egg breakfast. So <laughs> the housewives are the pig, like we're fully committed. The husbands get to be the chickens. They just have to produce the egg. And within that, there are also different levels of commitment. So my husband at first said, you will not film me. I will not have anything to do with this. Then I came home the first night and I said, well, I'm not going to have an ally. So you need to film with me. So then he signed the level of participant agreement. That's like, he must be filmed in his best light, which is interesting. So if you watch any of the housewives shows, any of the reality television, now you can see, and you can say, okay, so I think first season, maybe Mauricio had signed a larger, um, portion of the participant agreement but now he's pulled back to the only in the best light now he's at the agency when the agency is opening and harry hamlin's just in the kitchen cooking his spaghetti exactly notice how harry never really gets into it with but the husbands that get into it with the wives they're at that next level of the participant agreement and then of course there's the wives that are excuse the expression the pigs but i was a pig so And more importantly, the agreement that you had to sign with your husband uh, in the bedroom to get him to do that. I could only imagine. (laughs) I mean, we're very conservative in Toronto and my husband is a lawyer for the banks. I mean, when we do, when the lawyers go to courts for some, some levels of the court, they still wear gowns and, and robes and whatnot. Okay. That's how conservative Toronto is. So he said, I'm a lawyer for the banks. I can't be seen. I went, no, no, honey, you'll be in the best light. I just need someone. You know what? I really needed him. I needed him to be that character to do my bidding. I needed to have someone to talk to, to say, well, this is what's going on. Cause there wasn't anyone to tell sort of my side of the story. He had the best line though. He had the best line every, first of all, everybody loved him, which made me go, "Eh, how can I be the villain? And you love him. He's a good guy. And that translates exactly. But secondly, they had this scene, we went to a restaurant and I had had a fight with someone and I was like, oh, I don't know what to do. And there's this and this, and he stops and he folds his hands and he looks at me and he says, Kara, does any of this really matter? And I was like, no, but that's not the show. (laughs) Right. But is that the point? I need to win. Exactly. The point. 
Oh my God. That's see, that's a guy though. What do you want? You're going to get that from a guy like, exactly. That's why we are never having the real house husbands of Beverly Hills have their own show. They'd be getting drunk and talking about blowjobs and sex all day long. And we'd be like, this is it. Okay. Now what? You'd have to throw a hooker in there to like get anything like drama going. I mean, absolutely. And even at that, they'd probably all come together. It's still, I mean, somehow it would still, I mean, uh, that wait so did that affect his job though no not at all because people people knew who he was like he's he's a good guy he's really well liked again I mean let me tell you some of the fallout I went to um volunteer at my youngest son's school and I was shunned by some of the mothers oh yeah they were like we saw because a third mother said they said we saw you on tv and we saw the things you said and I was like Oh my gosh. It was edited and poorly. Please. It's meant to entertain. You need to walk around the sign saying it was edited. Yeah. Period. (laughs) By the way, really? You're going to say this to me? Like, here are your brownies. Go shoving up your ass. Like, (laughs) exactly. See, I needed you with me. I can't. Where were you? Oh my. (laughs) This, I cannot. Like, that's why I always say I would make a good one because I don't care. Like, I don't care the stupid things that you say. I like, there's I mean, a name for characters like you also in reality television. It's called the zero F's character. Well, and those I love. I love those characters. Those I, I are mean, great. The, the zero, so, okay. So you start and then you call Jill Zarin. You're like, no, nah, I'm just calling you not to be a dick, but you're a villain. I'm a villain. <laughs> help. Help me. And then that's what kicked off your relationship with Jill. Yes. And then yes. you guys, because of that, then you guys remain friends for the last yes. four or five years. Absolutely. And same with Leanne. Leanne, I haven't seen in three years because of COVID, because it was really hard to get out of Canada. And seeing her again, it was so funny. I walked in this party and you know, you haven't seen someone in three years. And I saw her on the other side of the room and she was like, I'm so glad you're here. And I was like, Aww. I love you so much. Wait she is a real sweetheart. So you're going, because I had Leanne on and Leanne had a tough go her last season. Oh yeah. You knew Leanne prior to when she was done. Yes. She just, so then how is that for you when you see one of your friends and this is happening and there was a lot of serious stuff, right? Oh yeah. Are you in it? Like, how are you? Are you a part of it? Do you talk to her? Or are you just like the same thing? Like, it's not my monkey circus or whatever. I'm staying out of it. Right. So by the time I'm seeing it, because I wasn't talking when, when you're filming, that's the other thing that people don't understand when you're filming, it's exhausting. Um, I heard Alison Dubois on on your show the other day, and she was saying that the dinner was four hours. And I chuckled because I was like, people don't get it. Like, you're filming a dinner that they make capture five minutes from, but you are there for four hours. Your arrivals at that dinner are also planned. Like, it's not organically arrive here, arrive here. Where you sit is mapped out. How you arrive. I mean, there was one scene. They wanted me to be the last to arrive. And I circled the block on a really hot day in a limousine. I mean, it was a little ridiculous. It's a stretch limousine. And don't forget, in the limousine, you have sound. It's like a a clown car. Everybody's getting out of the limousine. Yeah. So you've got all these people. Plus, you know, would you like, would you like a drink? Do you want to loosen up? Do you want to call anybody, Kara? Do you want to call Graham and talk to him about how nervous you are before you go into this lunch and stuff? I'm like, no, I'm good. Thanks. So, um, when you're filming, it's really 
it's, it's taxing. It's like a new form of torture. It's really hard to connect with your friends on the outside. So when my friends are filming, I actually try to give them their space because I know that any free time they get, they need that downtime. Um, but I think Leanne knew I was there to support her again. What, what would I say about Leanne? I'd say, I know her character and I know who she is. And I know what was represented about her was categorically untrue because I look at the history of who she is and right. how she behaves. So it was, you know, a bad, a bad edit, a bad, whatever, or, or maybe she even, you know, made one comment that was misconstrued, but Leanne is again, a good person, a great person. So when they're going through that, is it hard to watch? Yes. But then also, I think maybe because I've been there in front of the camera and behind the camera, when I watch, I'm thinking, huh, what are the producers trying to accomplish here? I wonder right. what, what, what are they mapping out here? What is that story editor that has the big board behind him? Where's he the headed? Wizard. With this? What's the he wizard. doing back there? He is the Wizard of Oz. That's exactly who the story the editor is. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. You get it. I get it. Doesn't it seem like people would get it? But then you watch and you're like, how many of these housewives don't get it? Like, they're like, oh, you're right. I should have another drink. Not <laughs> know. knowing you're trying to get me hammered. So I'm an idiot. <laughs> oh, you're right. I should call this person to start gossiping. That's hard to watch. That's hard to watch for me. When I see people doing that, I'm like, what are you thinking? Why don't you think they don't get it? I don't know. That's a good question. Do you think maybe is it, is it ego? Is it... I'm not sure, actually. That's a great question. I've seen that um, specifically. One of the reality shows I was watching that I was thinking about was Southern Charm. I've seen that a lot on Southern Charm, and I dismissed it to youth, going, they're young. young. But you do see it on the on the shows with the older people. I mean, like like I said, you see it on Wicked Tuna. Like, yeah, why would you totally. do that on the show? It makes you look like such a jerk. You see that across the board. I don't know what that, I, I guess it must be I, maybe lack of emotional intelligence, as I was saying, or maybe just lack of sense of self, lack of personal awareness. Or like you said, like some people just, I don't know who I had on, but they're like, some people will do anything and everything to just be a housewife. It doesn't matter true. what you will risk it all. Children, marriage, businesses. I mean, just to have that title. I mean, my husband made a great observation about Vicky this weekend. He said, you know what Vicky has shown me? And I thought this was so insightful. He said, there are two kinds of people. There's people who want to be on television and then there's thirsty people. He said, Vicky likes to be on TV, but she's not thirsty. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's so true. And I think that's it, right? There's a lot of people that, like you said, will do anything to be on reality television. And that's where the thirst comes out as opposed to genuinely enjoying being on television. Kathy enjoys being on television. She enjoys the process. That's why and you she's can tell. so good at it. Yeah. It's like, mm -hmm. nothing, you know, like she, when she's saying what's hunky dory, she really doesn't know what hunky dory is. She's great. But when Diana's like, here's your new villain. Like, I, I don't know who mm -hmm. really, do you say that? Wah, wah. No. Yeah. I mean, I don't think she is either. Like I met her stylist recently and her stylist was cool. And she's like, that's not Diana. Like she's not these things. So, right. You know, it's just, but like you were maybe saying, she was fed that line. Maybe she had it in her holster. You know, you never know. Like you're getting your makeup done and maybe a makeup artist says, why don't you say, I mean, you've got a, that's why I said when you're filming, it's very intense. You've got a lot of stuff coming at you. You've got these production assistants. You know what you should watch. That's phenomenal. Um, it's a show. It's a, a short film. It's called sequin rays. And it was done by Sarah, Sarah Gertrude Shapiro okay. who did for lifetime. She did the show unreal which you know was sort of a oh. takedown of the bachelorette yeah so the way she got 
that show bought was she was in a film school and she did little short. So it's not long. It's about seven minutes. And it's got Anna Camp, who I love from Pitch Perfect in it. And you watch that show and you will watch The Bachelorette again in such a different way. And the reason that came to mind is it it captures the PA mentality, which is the production assistant yeah. mentality, so brilliantly. It's really good. It's called Sequin Rays. You can see it on YouTube. Um, it's really interesting. And, and let's not forget, before you do the show, you have a psych evaluation. This was really interesting with a psychiatrist. And they say, we want to make sure you're okay when the show airs. We want to make sure, you know, Twitter and social media can be really hard on you. So I think my suspicion is they're number one, measuring your emotional intelligence, but also 100% they're looking for your weak spots. So I did mine, you know, full out, oh, wow. full honesty. Here's what I am. And one of the things that came out was I am really nervous about driving on freeways. I'm a super nervous freeway driver. Well, wouldn't you know- well, They who put was you the- on freeways all day long. Filmed me in a phone call conversation on a freeway, the only one in the show that was filmed. And when you watch this sequin Ray's film, it's so funny because they have the psychiatrist there talking into the headset of the PA going, okay, she's this, she's this about the participant, like go for this, go for this. Yeah. So, but like you said, look how smart you are. Look how smart you are. But then you have all these people going, and all of a sudden you're like, wait, 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 what's real? What's not, what's happening? Why are you saying this? Why are you saying this? Completely. You start to second guess. You're, and then you're, you're in these scenes that are, you know, set up, like I said, like going for coffee with people that you're like, to tell you the truth, I would give you a month space. I right. would not be, but you're, you know, tight production filming. So you got to get right back in there. And you know, they have their agenda that they want to get across. And you have your agenda that you want to get across. And production has production's agenda that they want to get across. So it's a, it's a lot like hats off to all the the housewives to the reality participants to the bachelorettes, my goodness. And the bachelors, like, I mean, it's a lot. Like in like the, like the Kyle's, like the Vicky's who have done this for a decade. Teresa. Teresa. Teresa's amazing. Nothing but respect for her. Nothing but respect. Yeah. She's great. She is incredible. I know Teresa. I, like you said, it's just like the respect level of what you go through. You're still standing. And you know how it is. Everybody tries to go after the top dog, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. they want that position. Oh, so absolutely. The battles and this and that. But it's funny that you said thirsty because I'm catching up right now on Ultimate Girl Strip and thirsty is coming out a lot yes. about your girl. Yes. <laughs> to the point, didn't she like make a funny post about it? I think she did. Thing. I think she did. I don't think Jill's thirsty. Jill likes being on, Jill likes being on TV. She's honest about it. She likes being on TV. There's exactly. nothing wrong with that. She and she sees that. the value in it too. She sees the value in the marketing and whatnot. Like she's, she's smart. She's a smart business lady. She is a smart business, which is funny because I always looking at that, right? Bethany knew what she wanted out of this. Jill knew what she needs out of it now. Right. And yet they collide. It's just like, there's so many similarities in what. Absolutely. Maybe that's why they collided because they were right so similar. Are you, so do you know Bethany well, or you just from? No, I know, like I knew her through Kyle, a friend of a friend. 
Got it. Okay. So you weren't like, you were back in the day with Kyle and them. You weren't back in the day with Jill when all that went down. No, 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 no. I wasn't okay. even watching the show back then. No, I heard from Jill just, and, and I re- remember that conversation I had, cause I can remember where I was standing. Cause I was in Florida <laughs> standing on a curb <laughs> help and the haters. Oh my gosh. The haters on, on social media. It's tough. And I shouldn't say this because <clears throat> I don't want them to think, you know, Oh, so they do like our comments, right? It's not that you take the comments personally, but it's hard when it's rapid fire at you. And you're, so you're coming out of this season that is not like a normal, like we talked about, it's not a normal experience in life. You're a little bit paranoid to start. (laughs) You haven't really had a lot of time to interact with your family because it's been all about the show and you're worried about that. And then your social media, bam, 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 bam. It's like a, they need the psychiatrist after the show, after. not before, but, by the way, <laughs> but that anyone, wouldn't serve their purpose. Anyone normally want to hear a negative comment anyway, let alone no. after you're coming off of this shit show. Exactly. I mean, exactly. You know, it's, oh my gosh, you were just at that weekend when this whole thing blew up with Jill and Tamara. Oh my gosh. Were you there? Did you talk? What is happening with that? So Jill was really surprised. Like she was just sort of talking about something that she, you know, figured she had heard. She, I think she figured a lot of people had heard. Um, Vicky wasn't upset about it at all. It was, it was a really odd thing. I had to like go and watch the video to to find out like after the lunch, I was like, wait, what's, what's everybody talking about? What, what's going on here? And I'll tell you this, Bronwyn was at the lunch with Vicky and I didn't know their history at all. And we were taking lots of pictures, all of us standing together. And I wasn't aware of their history. And those two were like, really, I said to Leanne after, are those two okay? And she was like, they're good. They're good at parties. They're good. Like they were really, you know, nobody was, they, these ladies know how to come together. It was for a charity. It was for Jill's husband's Bobby Zarin, the thyroid cancer trust. And I think that's what I have the most respect is they all come together to support the trust and they all come together to support Jill and her fundraising. And it's almost like, remember in the war when like everybody put their guns down on Christmas day and went and exchanged gifts, they kind of do that. We're going to put all that behind us. We're here. We're here for Jill. We're here for that. So yes, I was there when it was all happening and all blowing up and whatnot, but they were all very, uh, the, the social media is very different than what the reality is. They were all very chill about it, but the social media was like, I have oh no idea gosh. what happened. And the first thing I see is Tamara's video calling Jill a thirsty bitch. And I was yes. like, whoa, because I'm coming off of watching the real house, the ultimate girl. Oh, the trip. girls trip. Right. And I'm like, where was this beef with Jill and Tamara? Did I miss something? I know I'm a, an episode behind, but like, what is actually happening right now? I didn't know any of it. And Jill's like walking literally in passing. Yes. It's not, she's yes. like, okay, I'm set up and I'm going to dish this. I mean, she's literally walking. I think she was actually on her way to the event. And I, I think actually her daughter was just filming her and was like, let's make it like a post before the event. She was like, okay, because we had all been to dinner the night before. And she was just sort of saying something that I think she thought was just general. I think Tamara was upset because wasn't it like she wanted it to be she her announcement? To announce it. It was yeah. her See, coming Again, back I feel she's another one that wants to be the drama. And therefore, you lose the organic drama if you want the drama too much and you want the drama to send you gotta let you know that that old adage let them come to you Tamara and Teddy it's like a lot of the drama like talking about like what's happening and I mean I was talking to Teresa and Teresa's like you know Tamara made a reference that Louie gives her Brooks vibes and 
like a lot, but a lot of those little things. And guess okay. what? A lot of these people like Dorit says, aren't happy with it. No, I can imagine. But oh, like I can definitely said, imagine. Like how much are you? It's one thing if it's like conversation, but if you're bringing up stuff just to like be. That's yeah. And I get that. I get that from her. I mean, you know, this is just this again, this is me taking off my housewife's hat and putting right. on my producer hat going, yeah, I, I don't, I don't like that. I'd give that person less screen time because I don't like the ones that deliberately feel like they need to bring the drama and make the drama because again, it's, it's, it's not organic and you see it. I like but when the yet drama they're just bringing happens. her back. I think they want to, I think they want to do the dynamics, right? That's what good production is about is all the interpersonal relationships. So I think they want her and Heather. I think they want to have her and some, yeah, exactly. Like, I think they want that. Bring, was Vicky like, did she say anything? Cause that's coming out around, was Vicky like, why aren't I coming back? This is bullshit. Nothing. Nothing. nothing at all and because she was a new friend I didn't know her like you know I haven't known her right. for 25 years I had just met her I didn't think it was my place to say no tell me Vicky how do you feel about not coming back but again she was I mean she's so she's like crazy I can't say she's crazy in love because I don't know I don't know her well enough to say is she in love right. but she's crazy happy in a good space with her new guy and that was very evident and I was really happy for her for that because as I said I don't know her personally I know her tv persona and I know she's been through a lot and just to see her in such a good space and so happy and how he is so protective of her and he thinks the world of her I thought that was really nice and he's a good guy he's a really good guy my husband's really discerning he's really good at like smelling frauds and whatnot and he said you know what Mike is a nice guy my husband loved it he's like Vicky's so nice <laughs> I was like I know I love that See, yeah that's, like that's what she needs you know how many times do we hear I don't want to die alone I don't want to die alone my love tank my love tank my love tank so like that I feel like she needs love over she needs the show again I agree you know I agree she's too crazy she's not going anywhere but it's so exactly. funny you're saying I'm not gonna sit there and be like what do you think I would so be like Vicky I actually even messaged her because I had her on the show. I was like, Vicky, how are you doing? Like, how are you feeling about this? I care, but I'm also like, this has to be nuts for you. This is your bestie. She's coming back. You're not the Trace Amigas. Now she's going back with Shane. There's so much with it. It's crazy. I agree. But I agree with you also. Vicky's there. She, I, I have a feeling Vicky will be back on. Like soon. Jill. Yeah, like Jill. Like Jill. Jill, Jill was on pause. Sorry, yes. Dorinda, I'm, I'm using your on pause. <laughs> on pause. I was talking to Dorinda. I was like, is that like menopause? What does that mean? <laughs> like, are you on the menopause? Is that a sure thing? What? I don't even get what that means. But look at Jill. And now she's doing legacy. Yeah. Is she through, Jill is she's good. She, she's, she's good. Jill is good TV. She's good. She's like I said, she's a smart businesswoman. She knows what's going on. And, and I think she knows how to play it. And, and she's also, she's like a, she's a tough chick. Like she's, whereas I said, Vicky, I felt like, you know, you needed to look after her and you needed to protect her. Jill is very, she's got that New York street smarts. She was the one that was with me. Snap out of it. What's and your problem? Sober. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yes. I mean, that's the biggest key. Like she's sitting there with everyone's shit hand and she's, you know, what surprised me. Did you watch ultimate girl's trip? Yes. Some of it, not all of it, but most of it, I'd say, you know, what surprised cause Jill, I, I love her. I had her on. I talked to her. I've seen her from episode one, season one of New York. I've seen everything. And like you said, she's so smart. She's so sharp. She's sober. She has it together. And I felt her backing down a lot to Dorinda. 
Right. And I was surprised because Dorinda was drunk and coming at her and like a lot of below the belt because she was drunk. Yes. And and it was, I was just like thinking, is she doing that? Because she just, it's like not worth it because she's had too much to drink Dorinda. Is it because she's a guest in her house? But it didn't seem like that Jill that was like, okay, I'm done with you. Click. Exactly. I think she's, I agree with you. I think she's softer. I think so. Um, my advice that I was given before I did the show was if you have a glass of wine, it's like drinking a bottle of wine on the show and don't swear. I won't tell you who told me that, but it was a friend who, who knew what to do and whatnot. So silly old me, the first, the first episode they're walking, I was like paranoid. Okay. So don't, I translated this. Okay. So don't drink on the show. So they're walking around passing out things. And I thought, oh, I'll be smart. I'm just going to ask the waiter for a champagne glass, but fill it with mineral water. But of course you're mic'd. So production has headsets on and they hear everything. So they hear me, you know, asking the waiter, can you just get me a champagne glass and fill it with water, please? So (laughs) exactly. (laughs) So what they did was they had, he went to go get it. And they had another one of the women take a glass of champagne and hand it to me and say, drink this. And I went, oh no. And she said, you don't drink. And I didn't know what to say because you've got that fourth wall. So you can't say, no, I do drink, but I was told don't drink on the show. So I went, no, yes. Um, coming off as like, so let's not forget. I cut my leg. (laughs) I'm a little schizophrenic. I'm self-centered. I should have 2020 hindsight. I should have sucked it up, just taken the glass and had a sip, but I was like so nervous. So it came out in the show. Oh, she doesn't drink. But then in the next scene, I'm sitting there having a glass of wine and people are like, wait, who is this nut job? Now she's having a glass of wine. What the oh, heck? Don't drink what? and don't swear. Oh God, I would be done. Can you imagine? But that's sorry, that's like what the show is. But my point is when you're not drinking and everyone else is like for this, for Jill, like you, you kind of go, I don't need to get into the fray here. This right. is not, but that's again, that's not the show. It's not in the producers. I mean, I, I, I remember I once said alcohol is, God's greatest gift to reality television. Right. There's a lot of it around at every stance. You know, you're doing your interviews. Do you want to drink? You're in the car on the way to an event. Do you you just want to drink? You're, you know, at the event. Do you want some drinks? Alcohol is, you know. How has it not been something with Kathy, Kyle, and and uh Kim? Because they wouldn't you watch that? I would watch that all day long. Yo, All day reality long. TV producer. What is happening? Here? <laughs> get back to me on that. No, I know. I agree. I'll get you a production company. Thank you. <laughs> no, really. I would they watch would that never. all day long. I could watch Kim make a sandwich and she's entertaining. She has, I mean, Kim is golden. I don't know if it's because she was a child actress or if she just has that za zing, but Kim, I could watch all day long. Kathy is like super, Kathy is super entertaining at everything she does. I mean, she is kooky, funny, crazy, just all around entertaining. Like I said, I had people saying, it's funny. I don't think of Kathy Hilton that way. And I went, oh no, you don't know Kathy Hilton. I was so happy when she came on Housewives and everyone was like, oh my God, she's so funny. Let me tell you, I have no shame in anything. I have, I don't care. Like I will, I probably, ha- I'm not even shitting you. <laughs> I've been doing this for a year and a half. Kathy, of all people, I probably send a message to you on DMs once every single week. Let's get her on your show. For I'm real. Kathy, I swear she has to, to do it. You give me 10 minutes and I'm She going. would love you. She would love you. Oh, Kathy let's get her on your show. Like, oh, she's so freaking entertaining. She's so funny. I have a funny Kathy story. When we were in New York, 
I guess it was April and it was really cold and she was like hot and she was like, oh, I'm really hot. But she wanted to go shopping. She told us, let's go shopping. So she's walking down the street in this sundress and everybody else is, it was a freak cold spell and everybody else is bundled up. We get to this corner and people are looking at her like moving away and like, who is this woman and everything. And I was just there going, it's Kathy. I, love, I find every single aspect of Kathy beyond entertaining. She can literally be in the scene, in the corner, sitting and not say a word. And I will find it so I mean, This is why I have two kids, two under four years old. Okay. I have a business where I help people. I'm the nutritionist stuff. Right. I do this. I'm cooking up another podcast with somebody that's coming up soon. There's a lot going on. And I attempt to be a wife, which I fail miserably at that. <laughs> I will still make time to message Kathy once a week to say, Hey, you can come on for 10 minutes and just say hi. And I'm like, cool. That was great. Thanks. We'll wrap it up, baby. No, she will do it for sure. I'm going to, no, Melissa, as my thank you to you, please let me make that happen for you. Okay. Thank you to you. No, seriously. Let me, cause you're so fun and you're so nice. So, and you may, you gave me a platform to share this shit about my show, which was so nice. I loved it because you know what? Because it is like, I like seeing behind the scenes because I have talked to a lot of people like you who that's not them. And it comes across as different because of the editing. And I get one thing. You have to say, did it come out of your mouth? Did you see it come out of their mouth? Right. That's one thing. If you say it, you say it. If you did it, you did it. But there's so many from below deck to this, how many people are like, that wasn't even the story. That's not what happened. And now people think this about me or this about me. And I feel like I'm not here. I'm sure my show would be much more popular if I were like, give me the dirt. Like, tell me all these like dirty <laughs> things. Tell me what happened in that limo after Kim and Kyle. Like, I don't care about that. I like meeting cool people. I love these shows. I love these people. Like you, what you did. I'm telling you like the, even You're we so just sweet. talked about the, the, the allure thing forever. <laughs> just, that stuff very is so sweet. cool to me. And thank you. Thank you for that. The world there. needs more encouragers like you. I try to be an encourager to other women too. Women need to, you know what? There's this book I was telling people it's called Phyllis Chesler's women in humanity to other women. And I'm like, you know what? Women need to read that book. It should be required reading for girls in grade school to go. Don't that. do this. Do not do this. Be nice to other women, boost other women up help them. They're not trying to get into your lane. We all win right. when we win. So come on. So I, I really mean that seriously. No, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm hanging up and I'm texting her. I really will listen. Let's I'm hope she it. has her phone. Yeah. <laughs> she loses uh. her phone all the time, all the listen. time. And if she travels, there's a 90% chance. Oh, that phone is gone, but let's hope she has her phone and we'll get her on listen. because it's a good time for her to come on too. This Thank is you. amazing. It is. You're I love last. it. Okay. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Have a good day. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Side Piece. Make sure to follow on Instagram with the handle at Side Piece Show. That's at S-I-D-E-P-I-E-C-E-S-H-O-W. At Side Piece Show. And don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe.